Good morning. I am so grateful to God to be here with you. I can tell that we have a lot in common. You guys are obviously serious about serving Jesus. And uh, I am dead serious about that. So I just thank God to be among you. you. I mean, there were so many missionaries that you guys are supporting. You have so much to be proud of because God is doing so much among you. So I'm just glad to be here. Uh, Rebecca and I worked as Bible translators among a Muslim people group for 12 and a half years in West Africa. And uh, <clears throat> now on your phone, if you have a Bible app, you have the Yalunka Bible. And the, this is the dramatized audio version done by Faith Comes by Hearing of the Yalunka Bible. You can, you can get the Jesus film in Yalunka now. Basically, now Jesus speaks Yalunka fluently. At Pioneer Bible Translators, we translate the word of God because language barriers are the biggest obstacles between people and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I ought to know because I have made legendary, epic language mistakes trying to communicate the gospel. Uh, like our first version of the Yalunka Bible said that John the Baptist's soul would leave his body at night and consume the souls of other people causing chronic disease. <laughs> it's not true. We, we fixed that. And uh, in, in French at church one day, I told the people that my wife was a prostitute. And uh, yeah, yeah. That's, and one Yalunka sermon that I preached, the third point was going to be huge. And so I just shouted out, Jesus is the thing that peels our heads. <laughs> it was just like that. They, they laughed. Uh, so nothing changes gospel into gibberish faster than language barriers. And Jesus sent us out to the whole world with a message. God loves you and he trusts you enough to give you an awesome mission. And when Jesus sent us out together to the whole world to make disciples of all nations, that includes people like my friend among the Yalunka, whose name is Lai. My friend Lai had really big problems. He had epilepsy, and then the witch doctor began to treat that with all these demonic treatments until he became so demon-possessed that it took four people to hold him down. He said that if he could see human skin, he would try to bite you. And, and, and uh, Lai uh, said that the, the sorcerers in the village had closed his throat, and he couldn't get any water or any food to go down for 12 days. And so meanwhile, you know, everybody, basically everybody had got to the point where they're like, okay, we're just going to wait for Lai to stop screaming and die, starve to death. And uh, meanwhile, back over in the village where we lived, we were preaching a sermon on, on how Jesus gives us power to drive out demons. And, and people were beginning to get healed and, and people were coming from other villages. Uh, and so one day I was up there uh, like cleaning out all the algae out of my water tank. 
And one of the, the pastors of the church came to the, to the place where I was working and he said, listen, I, I want to borrow your car. Because I went to this village three miles over this way and I saw my old buddy lie and he was laying there sick like this. And when I walked in, he said, Jesus Christ has come to save me. And I think I want to go over there and get him and bring him back. So I, I loaned him my car and he drove over there. He took four big guys to hold him down so he wouldn't bust out the windows in my car. And they drove him to where the church was and they put him in a hut right next to the church. And, and they got him in there and prayed for him. And, and he said, you know what, I'm, I'm okay now. You could let go of me. And they were like, no way. I said, no, really, seriously, I, I feel a lot better now. I said, well, if you feel better, would you eat something or drink something? And he said, yeah. And when I got down there to pray for him, they were shoveling rice into this guy like I have never seen anybody eat in my life. He was starving. And he became a part of the church. And he stayed there for years in that hut right next to the church. And uh, to celebrate him following Jesus and, and, and his getting better, we, we went back to Lies Village one Sunday night or Sunday afternoon to hunt monkeys. Because in West Africa, that's how we roll. So we went, down, we went out there and we're hunting monkeys. When we got out of the car in Lies Village, a big crowd, 100 people gathered around just to look at him. Last time they saw him, he was snarling. He was starving. They were just waiting for him to, to quit thrashing around and die. And now he's healthy. He's going hunting. And you can just sort of see the look on everybody's face. They're wondering, who is this Jesus whose word has such power? to transform lives. His wife told me here recently, she said, I began following Jesus because he's done a miracle for me. When I came, I was anxious, I was running around, but today, praise God, we don't go to diviners, we don't worship idols, we don't have magic medicines, we just content ourselves with God and we have peace. Your mission church is to bring good news to the poor because Jesus said the spirit of the Lord is upon me he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners recovery of sight for the blind release for the oppressed to proclaim the year of our Lord's favor so the mission of Jesus has always been about preaching good news to the poor. But Jesus sent Rebecca and I to a place where the poor didn't have any scriptures in their language. And there was just this one church of 40 people uh, among 100,000 people. A lot of people uh, in the United States right now, they don't really believe that there are places in the world where no one has heard of the name of Jesus. But there are blank, big blank places on the map where the gospel is not known. And I know about it because I lived in one of them. You know, we, we lived among 100,000 Muslims and, and they, they didn't know anything about Jesus. In one people group and then the next people group over, there's like 3 million Muslims and about 20 Christians. On the other side of us, there's about a 4 million strong people group. 
with about 100 Christians. Everybody else was Muslims. Uh, about uh, a billion people in the world still don't have the New Testament in their language. About 200 million people speaking 1,700 languages don't have, they, they still need a translation project to start. They don't have any scripture. And there's another 400 sign languages for the deaf that need scripture in their language. About 900 of those languages, not only do they not have scripture, they don't have a church either. So how does somebody bring the transformational, life-changing word of God in a place like that where they never have had it? Okay, well, here's how Rebecca and I did it. This is, this is kind of like a step-by-step process. Here you go. So first, since the government spoke French, we went to France, and we went riding our bicycles from bakery to bakery learning French at great personal sacrifice. And then we moved to where the Yalunka people were, and we found a guy who spoke French. And, and so we wanted to start learning the Yalunka language. So we asked the guy, how do you say, what is this? And he said, itura." Try that with me, guys. itura." You guys could do this. You're good. Okay, so then we went around the village with pen and paper, and we would, like, find a house, and we would say, itura." And they would say, like bang, Okay, I'm hoping for house in there, and then uh, you know you find a dog and you say nanseitura, and they say I'm hoping for dog in there. Two years later, you can preach. <laughs> so <laughs> there was this one lady who helped us with our language learning that was so old. All she did was sit around the, the village, helping us with sentences, and she taught me. The two most important things to a Yalunka grandmother. She taught me the most beautiful lullabies that you could ever dream of, the sweetest things. And she taught me the sentence, I'm going to beat you till you pee. <laughs> and, and she taught me other things like, uh, even if Jesus comes down, I'm still going to beat you. Because the Yalunka people know that Islam teaches that Jesus is coming back. And so all these little kids among the Yalunka, their grandparents are saying, I'm going to beat you even if Jesus comes down. They're thinking, I don't know who this Jesus is, but I sure hope he comes in time to save my behind. <laughs> so then after we learn the language, we have to develop an alphabet that works for that language and a writing system and we make reading materials like hooked on phonics in Yalunka to teach them how to read in their own language. Uh, and then we put together a team of Christians who can do the drafting of the scripture to write down the scriptures for the first time. And we train them to do that. And then we take the, the scriptures that they develop and we compare them meticulously to the Greek or the Hebrew to make sure it means exactly what it's supposed to mean. And then we take it out into the community to check it to make sure people are understanding it the way we expected them to understand it. And you have to do that. Uh, one of my friends translated Genesis 1 through 3, and, and he took it out to check it. And one of the places where it says, and God created the creeping, crawling animals. You remember that part? And they had translated it. They said, okay, now look, these are the animals that are on the ground. They're on the ground. When they took it out to check it, 
uh, it said, and God created the handicapped animals. <laughs> so it's important to like check these things, right? Uh, so <clears throat> a while back I asked a guy, a new believer in a village way down on the border, how he had come to follow Jesus. And he said, well, one day I was on a trip and this guy called me over and he gave me a holy book. And he said, I just loved the words of Jesus. Because Jesus said that he came for messed up people and not for the righteous. Because he came to put them on God's path and make them righteous. He said, but you know what? Our elders keep saying, don't you believe that Jesus message? Because it's a lie. But I got to thinking about it. Those are the same elders who my whole life when we did something wrong would say, even if Jesus comes down, I'm still going to beat you. They know that Jesus is coming to save people from punishment. And if after all these years, even now, even we in Yalunka have the message of Jesus in our own language and we can read it and understand it, that's what did it for me. He said, Jesus opened the eyes of the blind. He healed the lame. He raised dead people and he saved them. And Muhammad never did that. All this guy got was the book of Luke in his language. And it changed his life. Your mission is to transform lives through the power of God's word in their language. There's a village among the Alunka called Digila. And it's this ancient center of ancestor worship. And they've got the oldest Yalunka ancestors tomb there. And they've kind of built a little a concrete wall around it, and people go there to worship this ancestor. And when they do, they always take a, a round rock with them, and they put it on this big pile of stones. And you can see this big pile of stones that shows all the people who have worshipped the ancestor at that place. So I went back in 2005 on my first trip to Digila to hunt warthogs. All right, so I shot a warthog that day. This is Tennessee, I can admit that. And uh, so that, I, I don't say that part in California. And so that, that night, we sat down to eat the parts of the warthog that don't keep. Now, I want to clarify something. You don't, to be a missionary, you don't have to like eating warthog entrails, but it sure helps a lot if you do. All right, so we, we were there, and it just so happened to be the day of the year where Muslims celebrate the event where Abraham almost sacrificed his son. And, uh, and so to celebrate that moment in history, they sacrifice a ram and eat it together. And we were there when that party was going on. And so these guys came over to us that night, and they said, hey, we heard that you guys are the people who have books about God in our language. And I, and I reached it, you know, we weren't just there for warthogs. I reached in and grabbed a whole box of scripture out of my car and put it on the, the hood of my Land Cruiser and I pulled out Genesis and I said, yeah, you know what? This feast that you're celebrating, 
Genesis 22 is where that comes from. And we started reading the chapter, Genesis 22. And we got to the part where the angel tells Abraham, he says, And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. And uh, so I asked these guys, hey, when it says all nations, do you think it means the Yalunka people too? And they said, it has to mean us too. So I told them, the descendant of Abraham that this prophecy is talking about, his name is Jesus. 4,000 years ago, God told Abraham that the day would come when the Yalunka people would know about this descendant of Abraham. And they would be blessed. And the, the arrival of these books in your language is the coming of this blessing that was prophesied 4,000 years ago. And it comes to you on the day that you celebrate the event where the prophecy was given. This prophecy means that Jesus Christ would die for your sins. And they were blown away. I don't know what you guys do at your job, but at my job, I fulfill prophecy. When you, when, and that's in your job description? That is an awesome job. All right, so that night we slept in the car, and uh, we could hear people just right on the other side just talking late into the night, reading those scriptures and discussing them. And every time we came back, went hunting again, they, they would ask more questions. They would say, like, why does the law forbid eating rock hyrixes? I don't know. Uh, if you can't eat meat that you find dead, why is it okay to sell to a foreigner? I don't know. Uh, and then they, they would ask, why doesn't the Bible mention Muhammad? I'm like, oh, that I know. And then this one guy says, when you read these books, it makes you want to stop fighting with your family. So one day... We are sitting out under the mango trees and we're listening to one of these uh, dramatized audio versions of the scriptures. And, and there's like 80 guys sitting there listening and we're talking about the scriptures and school lets out. And here comes this, this big group of students, kind of this steady stream of students walking by. And I had scripture sitting out in a box. And this one kid walks by and he looks down in that box and he starts to read for the first time in his life. He's reading something in his own language. And he reaches in and he picks it up and he starts flipping through this little booklet. And, and I can tell he's, he's reading it, he's understanding it. So he starts looking around to see if anybody's noticing. And he kind of puts it under his arm and he starts walking slowly away. When he gets about far enough away that he knows nobody can catch him, he just takes off running. The first theft of the book of Galatians in Yolunka history. I'm watching this guy running, and as soon as, as soon as he gets away and people are looking, nobody's chasing him, other people walk over to the box, and they're looking, and ladies and, are walking over to the box, and they're picking up scriptures, and they're saying, you mean we can have these? And as I'm watching this kid running, I realized 2,000 years ago, Jesus sent you and me to make disciples of all nations. Nobody 
should be so starved for scripture that they would feel like they have to steal it. Church is not good enough. It's not enough. We need to make sure that everyone, everywhere, has this message of Jesus. And we're never going to stop until everyone, everywhere, has the word of God. Your mission is to multiply churches where no one has ever heard. A friend of mine named Califa grew up in Sierra Leone, right next door to the country where we worked. And uh, growing up, Califa's dad decided he was going to send him to learn to become a Muslim teacher. And at the last minute, as he was sending him off to school, he changed his mind and he sent him to get a Western education at the Catholic school instead. So Califa went to school and the priest got up in the morning and he led a prayer in Jesus' name. And Califa said, what is this? It was the first time in history that Califa had heard the name of Jesus. And so uh, <clears throat> poverty at that time in Sierra Leone was awful. And Califa lost his mind off and on in poverty and, and, and for whatever reason. And one day in his mental instability, he heard a voice saying to him, Take up the holy book. Take up the holy book over and over again. So he went to the priest, and the priest gave him a Bible in English. And he said that when he had that Bible, he would stay sane again. But when somebody would take it away from him, he would lose his mind again. And so he longed to know what in the world was in that book but he couldn't because it was in English. And at about that same time, uh, Califa became a victim of leprosy, and, he, and one of his legs was ruined. And uh, about the same time, the Blood Diamond War hit. We lived in a tough place. And the Blood Diamond conflict, uh, people, the rebels would come into the village and they would fire off their guns and they would catch as many people as they could before they ran. And they would line them up and chop off one of their arms. That was the, the terrorist tactics they were using. And so when they came to Califa's village, everybody ran. And Califa couldn't run because one of his legs was ruined by leprosy. And his family abandoned him there. And he was left in that place to hide and to starve he said that he could hear just on the other side of a thicket the place where the rebels were camped. And he would crawl down to the river at night and get a drink of water at the same watering hole that the rebels were using. And he was just that close to being killed all that whole time. And then one day his cousin sneaked back into the village and helped him part of the way crawl and part of the way hop and part of the way he carried him on his back. And they crossed the border into Guinea to get away from that. And when he got to the Guinea side of the border and he found the Yalunka Bible and he began for the first time to read the Bible in his language, he said, I don't know about the rest of the Muslim world, 
But as for me, crazy Caliphah, this is what I have become. This is the reason I was born. And he especially loved the verse in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 9. Let me read that for you. It says, Amosoto, ekisiri ala hinananankong denkeleam barakani. Nami fatari etankana ala kisi nara. Don't you hate it when the preacher uses one of these new translations? It drives me crazy. Uh, did you guys understand that? Of course not. You need it in your language. And so do they. And so does everyone, everywhere. Let me read it to you in English. It says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this, not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And that changed everything for Caliphah. So now, Caliphah plants churches in his own language community. He's a church planner. He's got a, a prosthetic limb now. One day he came to me and he said, Greg, I can't imagine how to thank you for this Bible in my language. He says, sometimes I, I stay up at night thinking about how in the world I could ever explain to you what this means to me. He said, I used to try to read the Bible in English or in French, and I'd get a little bit of information out of it, but, but now I open this Bible and I read it, and the word of God just comes right into my mind, just immediately. He was starving. He was a, almost killed by terrorists, victim of leprosy, all these challenges. If God can make that guy a missionary to his own people, this God we serve is powerful enough to use you too. Your mission is to see churches with scripture transforming every language community on earth. And this is right now the kind of work that Pioneer Bible Translators is doing in 84 languages spoken by 42 million people in 18 different countries. And you guys are going to be deeply involved in three Bible translation projects. And our goal right now is to go from translating in 84 languages to 300 languages. And if we can do that, that's going to alleviate enough of the burden on our other Bible agency partners, the 30 people that we're, 30 groups that we're cooperating with. And if that happens between now and about 17 years from now, we are going to start every Bible translation project needed in the whole world. And soon, before 2050, there will be churches with scripture transforming every language community on earth earth, the biggest milestone in Great Commission history. This is what God is doing in our day. It was never before possible, and now it's possible. God 
is using churches like yours to do this amazing thing. So God has given you, church, a mission. And the only question left today is what will you do as part of this mission? Uh, We're going to need some of you to pray. You saw these people that were introduced. The work that they're doing is like this work that I'm doing. It's going to be hard wherever you are. You do not serve God easily. Pray for them. And some of you are going to go. I prayed that the Lord would, would just cause some of you to quit your job and go overseas as a missionary. That could totally happen. If, if you're that person, come up and talk to me after church. Uh, we will set you up. Or maybe you're sitting there thinking to yourself, absolutely no way is that for me. I mean, there's no way that I'm the kind of person who's going to go overseas and learn another language and work uh, to translate the Bible in some uh, war-torn malarial zone somewhere. I mean, that's, I, that's just not what I'm for. And, and if that's, that's the case, that's great. Actually, we're perfect for each other. Because just let the missionaries do that. We love to go to tropical, war-torn, malarial zones, just teeming with Islamic extremists. That's our favorite thing. But there is something that you can do that the missionaries could never, ever do. You can fund the mission. And if you don't, we don't go. We can't be sent out. We need you. And so that's what we're trying to do today. We are on a one-day mission. And it's, a, it's inspiring to me. There are, we're going to finish an entire Bible in the Toma language spoken by 244,000 people in the same context. I was telling you these stories, the same place. It's a neighboring people group, 244,000 of them. And then we're going we're gonna to record the dramatized audio version of the New Testament so that even people who can't read, that nobody among the Toma people would lack access to the New Testament. And they could plant the church and multiply the church and mature the church. And then we're going to take that Toma translation and use it as a base to translate into two related language groups using a, 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 a software that helps us to do this adaptation process. A little technical, but basically we're going to finish one translation project, record it in a dramatized audio version, and then use that translation project to start two more translation projects so that you're going to open the door this morning to 444,000 people getting the word of God for the first time and introducing Jesus to them. Wow. This is not the kind of Sunday morning you get every Sunday. This is a huge opportunity. I mean, have you ever felt like you just weren't making a difference in the world? When you attend this church, you do. There is no church as usual in this place. When they pass the collection around and you're giving a little bit of money, God takes that money and he works miracles all over the world. And this morning, it just so happens that 444,000 people are going to have the opportunity to receive the word of God in their language. And many of them get it in an audio that they can listen to. God is at work in the world today, 
and you guys are right in the middle of it. And I praise God for people like you who are making it possible for every person everywhere to receive the word of God for the first time in their language. The prophet Isaiah said, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And that prophecy is being fulfilled this morning by you guys. So that's your mission today. And the question we have for you today is, what will you do? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We praise you and we invite you to come and inspire us to serve you together. Lord, you are great and you're worthy of the service. And that what we're doing is only what is due a great God like you. And we pray that you would use us to make your name known in every people around the world. And especially among these Toma people and Zialo people and Kono people. Lord, bless them and help us to succeed at this great endeavor that your reputation would be great in the world and in West Africa. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.